0: Hello and welcome to the Logistics Management Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Berman. I'm Group News Editor for Logistics Management Magazine, as well as the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group. Uh, Today, it's a real pleasure to welcome back Jonathan Gold to our podcast. Jonathan serves as Vice President of Supply Chain and Customs Policy at the National Retail Federation in Washington, D.C. In his role, John is a primary spokesperson and is responsible for representing the retail industry before Congress and the administration on things like supply chain, international trade, product safety, and customs-related issues impacting the retail industry. While with NRF, John has been a leading advocate of the value of trade and global value chains to the United States economy. Before joining NRF, John served as a policy analyst in the Office of Policy and Planning for the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency, also known as CBP. He joined CBP in May 2006 and was responsible for providing policy guidance on issues surrounding maritime cargo security and trade-related matters. He's also worked on implementation issues surrounding the Safe Port Act and other issues within the agency, including CBP intelligence reform, pandemic flu, and also trade facilitation. Before joining CBP, John spent nearly a decade with the Retail Industry Leaders Association holding several government relations positions, which included director and then vice president of international trade policy before being named VP of global supply chain policy in January 2005. John now currently also serves on the Department of Commerce's, uh, Commerce that is, Advisory Committee on Supply Chain Competitiveness. And he also has previously served on the DHS's Commercial Customs Operations Advisory Committee and the Department of Commerce's International Trade Advisory Committee on Distribution Services. John holds a bachelor's degree in international business with a concentration in finance from American University in Washington, D.C. Hey, John, welcome back. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is, by my count, at least the third or fourth time we've had you on. So uh, it's always good to have uh, representation from D.C., especially during these days. Uh, so why don't we start with sort of the uh, the issues and trends that are really top of mind, uh, I think, for retail shippers. Uh, the one that really comes uh, jumps out to me is inflation and while inflation john has seen some mild declines in recent months uh how in your opinion uh is it still impacting the retail supply chain
1: sure thanks you know i think in general inflation still is a is having an impact on not just the retail supply chain <clears throat> but the economy as a whole you know the biggest impact is just the ongoing uncertainty about how the consumer and the economy are going to continue to respond mm-hmm. and you know for our members it's not just the consumer prices that are rising but it's all the other Costs for retailers that have been impacted by inflation. Um, You know, everything from higher energy bills and rents, labor costs, cost of goods, wages, transportation costs, that all has an impact on the retail operation. You know, the one thing that we have seen though is that Americans are still outspending, you know, fueled by growing jobs and wages, built up savings and careful use of credit. You know, we saw a healthy 2022 holiday sales. Um, And while consumers don't like the higher prices, you know, they are willing to, to pay Uh, To a degree. Um, And I guess the question is going to be is, you know, how long is that going to continue through 2023 and beyond? Um, You know, it remains a top of mind for consumers, especially low and middle income consumers who are definitely feeling the squeeze. So, you know, inflation still is top of mind for everybody trying to figure out how best to deal with it.
0: Yeah, no, no, no question about it. Uh, it definitely is going to be interesting to follow in the coming months, but it is, I guess at the end of the day. It is encouraging to see, even if they're pretty mild, uh, the last couple of the last few months, we have seen some declines. So that, that is, I, uh, that's definitely encouraging. Um, so looking back now that we're into early February, we're obviously well past the 2022 peak season. Um, there was a fair amount of, uh, I don't want to call it uneasiness, but uncertain, uncertain uh, approaches to it, just given what we've all been through the last few years. All that said, how do you think the 22, uh, 2022 peak season went? Uh, you know, and I, and that also comes with the backdrop, the backdrop that there was a bit of a reduction in import levels. Uh, uh, and also that things sort of seemed mostly steady or even uneventful. How, how do you sort of uh, surmise how things went down, John?
1: Yeah, I think the, the you know the 2022 peak season was definitely not your normal peak season. I think nothing has been normal over the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, but I think there, there were a number of different issues and factors that that kind of got into that as to why it was not your your normal um peak season. Obviously, we still had all the ongoing supply chain challenges. You know, as a result, retailers stretched their peak season, bring in more goods earlier on in the season in an attempt to avoid some of the, the significant congestion issues. Um, that we were facing. So I think that lengthened out the peak where typically it's, you know, July, August, September is kind of that, you know, three-month period where everything's coming in. Yeah. But because the all the challenges that we we're facing, that got lengthened out. And part of that too was because consumers were buying earlier in the season as well, recognizing or fearing that there weren't going to be products on the store shelves or looking for the better deals, seeing the sales because of over inventory and things like that. So you had consumers that are actually even moving up their purchasing for, for holiday merchandise. Um, you know, and even though we saw congestion has started to, to ease, you know, we saw lower, lower import volumes towards the end of the year. But again, that's because a lot of folks pulled things forward and, and brought it in earlier in the season. So that's why you saw such a dip towards the end of the, end of the year um, as a part of that. And obviously, it wasn't just the congestion issues that we saw on the West Coast that, you know, forced folks to look to the East Coast and Gulf Coast. You know, obviously, the, the ongoing labor negotiations as well had an impact uh, and drove some decisions for folks to, to move some of their, their cargo away. Um, but, you know, in all honesty, despite the challenges, you know, retailers were able to deliver uh, to consumers for their, their needs for a very positive and happy holiday season. Uh, but, you know, it definitely was not your normal peak. But I think retailers adjusted as they needed to, to to meet the demands that they saw.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a far cry from early on the pandemic when people were uh, describing the nature of things as peak season all the time. (laughs) So it's good good to get past that. Um, So it kind of is a nice segue there in terms of what we see with what's going on with uh, inventories and uh, specifically retailer inventories in terms of how uh, they are sort of continuing to impact the retail supply chain there's a a, an ongoing sort of narrative it appears that retailers will be working through their uh sort of still high levels of inventory closer to mid-year when we then will eventually return to a more normal cycle Do do you see things in that way or are we missing something
1: no, I, I think that's the case. I mean, look, you know, inventory sales to sales ratios for the overall industry remain well below historical norms, but each retail sector is a little bit different in their industry in their inventory profile. Um, you know, each sector is a little bit positioned a little bit differently when it comes to inventory levels in relation to to sales. Obviously, you know, early on in the pandemic, when everybody was stuck at home and buying appliances and furniture and televisions and you know, everything else, and then you know, that become you know, excess inventory in 2022 when folks weren't buying as much of that. Um, But, you know, retailers certainly responded and are looking to move as much of that excess inventory as as possible. Part of that was, uh, you know, sales and discounts, uh, looking at inventory for next seasons for those seasonal products, uh, donating goods, selling inventory to third-party vendors. Um, You know, all that continues today as retailers try to work through some of those uh, those excess inventories. you know for but for the most part i think retailers felt pretty good going into 2022 the holiday season and i think feel feel good going into into this year as to where they're going to be on their their inventories um you know we're kind of talking with members now trying to figure out kind of where they are and i think most feel that they're they're in a good spot um as compared to where they were uh, early part of last year
0: okay great great and um uh, speaking of last year, especially towards the end of the year, all eyes were firmly and squarely on the rail labor situation. Uh, it kind of uh, had a bunch of stops and starts to be sure um, but but things did eventually get resolved with a new labor deal and that that leads us to sort of shift modes if you will, over to uh, the ocean/ port side uh, specifically on the west coast as the IL, wu and pma deal remains an issue with uh, no current contract in place and we're, we're talking several months we're several months past now the expiration of that contract um so it remains an ongoing uh slash lingering concern with all that as a backdrop what, what sort of things the retail ship, shippers uh need to do and sort of focus on in light of this current situation uh, we do hear a lot about port migration from West Coast to East Coast, which has obviously been ongoing for a while. but what what what's at play here really?
1: Yeah, I mean, look we we had encouraged the parties early on last year to to sit down and negotiate early, knowing the contract was set to expire on July one. And, you know, typically when the negotiations occur, they don't sit down until a couple months before to start negotiations. Yeah. Uh, they didn't start until I think May 15 is when they they started negotiating. And that didn't give them a whole lot of time before the contract expiration. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, early on last year, we called upon the parties to, to get together early and start having those conversations, knowing there are going to be a lot of tough issues that they're going to have to discuss but the only way to get that done is to get to the table and stay at the table and not engage in any kind of, of disruptive activity. So, you know, as you noted, the contract expired on July one, the, the parties are working without a contract. Uh, you know, we, we applaud them for continuing to work, but there is the ongoing concern that we could see some some disruptions as we've seen in the past. You know, we everybody looks back to what happened in I think it was 2014 2015. We had the last uh, kind of standoff in, in negotiations where. The administration had to get involved and it helped the parties to get to a final deal. And then we have back in this was 02, and we had the 10 day lockout. So you know there's a lot of a lot of you know long history here of of issues that retailers and others are paying very very close attention to. And you know nobody wants to get caught if there are some kind of disruption by by other party. So you know as a result of that folks took steps to to mitigate their risk. And that's you know again one of the reasons why you saw that migration to the East Coast and, and Gulf Coast and why you saw, you know, port of New York, New Jersey become, you know, the number one port in the country for, for several months because of the volumes that they they saw. Um, but, you know, everybody along the East Coast and Gulf Coast saw their volumes increase significantly. Um, yeah. That, that resulted in their own congestion related issues that, you know, thankfully have, have subsided. But a lot of that cargo has stayed. Um, you know, folks haven't shifted back yet to the West Coast. And I think there's a question as to, you know, when or how much, they they will um, even when a contract does get complete uh, And that's for a variety of reasons it's not just the labor issue but it's you know some of the, the regulatory efforts in, in California looking at the ports and supply chains but also as, as retailers you know take a look at their supply chains in general and try to make sure they've got resiliency and diversification built in as they're looking at you know how do they meet the growing populations in the the southeast or, or the northeast and making sure they've got the supply chain set up the right way. To meet those uh, those customer needs.
0: Okay, yeah, and so, and just to jump back quickly, when we talk about some of the issues that are West Coast ports are dealing with, specifically, I think in California, are we talking about things like the the dredge related issues, or carb, for example? Yeah, the, it's yeah, per-
1: it's it's all the different issues that are impacting uh, the harbor dredge system, whether it's you know AB five. Yeah. Um, the efforts on the independent operators. Um, the the clean truck rules, you know, obviously, you've got new uh, environmental regulations impacting warehousing as well. And obviously, warehousing has been a huge issue, not just in, in on the West Coast, but elsewhere, as you saw those volumes increase trying to find out places to put them, put those volumes. So, yeah. um, you know, it just it creates a, a tough environment for folks. Um, you know, we support looking at environmental regulations, but they've got to be done in a way that you know doesn't overburden industry and actually meets the the goal that you're trying to achieve so we're just you know concerned about the way some of this is being rolled out implemented uh going forwards
0: okay yeah absolutely so the the next question i have for you john just because we're 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 just kicking off a new session of congress here uh and i thought it'd be interesting to learn from your perspective sort of some of the key things that you guys are paying attention to watching and monitoring from a policy and regulatory specti- perspective perspective uh, as they relate to the retail supply chain, uh, you know, early into this year. What are some of the things happening on the Hill, uh, in other words, that that are really top of mind for you guys and for retail shippers by extension?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in, in general, you know, as Congress is, you know, finally getting back together and their hearings have already started looking at, at different Uh, aspects um, of the supply chain. I mean, the House Transportation Committee held their first hearing the other day with a focus specifically on what's happening in the supply chain. Yes. Implementation of the the, the big uh, highway, you know, the infrastructure bill that was signed into law, um, looking at that and how that impacts uh, the supply chain. But I think in general, Congress is going to continue to look at at the supply chain, look at the challenges that we face and how to continue to address them. Um, And again, implementation of things like the infrastructure law, how uh, does that help build resiliency into the system? Obviously, you know, we were strong supporters of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act that got passed multiple times uh, yes. by significant numbers before it became law. So, you know, looking at oversight for how that is being implemented, the Federal Maritime Commission and how they're moving forwards on their different regulations uh, for us specifically looking at things like the detention to merge issue and come up with final rules on, on that. Um, that certainly is a, a huge issue that we're going to be paying very close attention to. Um, part of this, too, is looking at uh, other efforts on improving data, data sharing among supply chain stakeholders. You know, you've got a couple of different initiatives within the administration looking at the, the flow program from the Department of Transportation. Um, Federal Maritime Commission is working on their perspective on this, the Maritime Transportation Data Initiative, that, you know, we could see something coming out of them in a couple of weeks. Uh, and then on the private sector side, we've got our uh, Supply Chain Optimization and Resiliency Coalition. That's been working on some efforts with ASTM to, to try and create some new data standards where they don't exist within the, the supply chain. Um, but certainly taking a look at all, all things supply chain, this, this Congress is gonna continue to do that as well as the administration with a focus now on, again, how do we build more resiliency into the system so we don't end up in the situation we were over the past couple of years with the, the congestion and everything else. The other aspect of this, too, is looking at at trade policy, Um, you know, and obviously the biggest issue that Congress is going to focus in on, I think, is going to be China from a variety of of, uh, different lenses. You've got a new select committee on China competition that's going to be looking at all aspects of the U.S.-China relationship through the competitive lens. Um, You know, we're continuing to fight against the China 301 tariffs, which were in place you know, well before the pandemic and continue to be a drain and a tax on, uh, on U.S. businesses and, and consumers. Um, you know, we think that's been a failed policy. China has not changed their behavior yeah. uh, on things such as forced tech transfer and, and IPR theft. And we've got to find a better way to address those issues as opposed to, as opposed to using tariffs, which are nothing more than tax on on U.S. businesses. Um, so, you know, I think also looking at just trade policy in general will continue to be a focus on what this administration has been doing. Obviously, they've been trying to focus on trade through a worker-centered lens. Mm -hmm. Um, Unclear from from our perspective what exactly that means, because certainly, you know, the millions of workers that we represent, you know, trade is a key part of why they have jobs uh, and why the supply chain and global value chain is is so important. Um, But, you know, as they are looking at trade to find, figure out how do you, help folks shift away from China. So looking at onshoring, near-shoring, near-shoring, friend-shoring kind of initiatives. Um, for us also getting things like the generalized system of preferences and the miscellaneous trade bill uh, reauthorized once again, because that certainly provides incentive for folks to, to help them um, really is, is critical. Um, so there are, there are a lot of, I think Congress is gonna be very busy. Um, you know, the, the challenge we're gonna face though is that we're coming into another presidential election Cycle, So, uh, you know, Congress will focus certainly on on that as well. Uh, But I think trade supply chain are going to be key focuses for the administration for this, this next Congress, as well as the administration going forwards.
0: Okay, yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, Just a couple more quick ones here, John. Um, It it just got me thinking, uh, you know, we've been paying a a lot of attention to potential shifts in uh, nearshoring, reshoring, uh, what have you. I think about the CHIPS Act, w- when that comes to mind, uh, you're hearing a lot more about uh, upticks in production, for example, uh, with, with our southern neighbors, uh, uh, shifts out of China as well, even uh, in, in Asia. It, it, are there any types of material impacts on retail logistics from a change or a shift in sourcing Uh uh, or is it is it sort of immaterial as long as the goods get to where you need them to go? I just I just was wondering how how you guys sort of approach that because we had, you just talked about tariffs and obviously as as that's viewed as an extra cost on um, uh, the price of doing business. So uh, are there any potential ramifications or impacts from s- sourcing uh, coming out of other areas as, as it impacts our domestic supply chain uh, retail on the retail side?
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, there's a lot that goes into shifting a, a supply chain. I think that's, you know, one of the things that we're trying to, to make sure folks fully understand is that, you know, I think one of the things we've learned throughout the pandemic is that supply chains are complex. They're global in nature, and it's very difficult to, to make a shift in a short amount of time. Um, you know, the biggest challenge we saw during the pandemic was for those who wanted to, to shift was trying to find alternate suppliers. And obviously we have global you know, uh, travel shut down, going out and make sure you can verify new vendors, uh, do the audits you need to do, testing you need to do. Uh, not being able to do that in person is extremely difficult. You can only do so much over, you know, Zoom and Teams, but being able to go and physically inspect a factory is a critical part of that, that shift. Um, but, you know, it, it takes time. So as much as folks want to make that shift, Trying to find the right capacity, making sure that your your vendors have the the right skilled workforce uh, to handle this, make sure the logistics uh, and infrastructure are available uh, within those countries. You know, you've got the the larger vessels. You know, can they make the 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 number of turns in in Vietnam and other countries that are now picking up some of the, the capacity? I think that's, yeah. that's a challenge too. Um, that where the partnership is needed between the the retailer, the BCO and the carriers to understand kind of the impact on them and their availability to do sailings from some of these countries that are going to see upticks in in shipments. Um, But what's the, also the domestic infrastructure, do they have the roads and rails, uh, electricity, water, all those things are so critically important uh, as you're making that, that shift in the supply chain. Um, And I think, you know, unfortunately, there are just certain things that you're just not going to be able to move out of China, or it's going to take longer to do. Even though we did have the the Chips Act, you know, signed into law, it's going to take years before that really kind of kicks in. You see the production happening here in the United States, and I think you know the other area that folks want to focus in on, especially when it comes to competition with China, are things like critical minerals, um, where a majority are mined in China. You know, mm-hmm. where else can we get those from? But again, take it takes time to get those operations up and running. So you know, I think that that's the biggest thing that. Folks, you understand with this push to to shift on the supply chain is that it it takes time to, to actually make that happen to have all the stars align that everything can work in the right way to to make that shift.
0: Yeah, no that that that's a great point. Um, so just just to wrap up here, John, I'd just be curious to learn a bit about what you're hearing from your membership. Uh the retail shippers in terms of what what's really top of mind for them right now uh when we talk about the supply chain logistics concerns and or challenges?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest issue is just the ongoing uncertainty about what's going to happen for you know in both the US economy and the global economy, you know, as a whole. I think, you know, COVID is still out there, still has an impact. Um, you know, China certainly has uh you know changed some of their their uh their issues on, on COVID or their um, strategy, but that's, that certainly has, has continued to be an, an impact in kind of the what's next. And I think for many retailers, it's, you know, how do they create better resiliency in the supply chain and make sure we address some of the challenges that were, uh, you know, further highlighted and exacerbated by, by the pandemic, because a lot of the congestion issues that we saw at our, at our ports and through the, the domestic supply chain were issues that existed prior to the pandemic. They just because of the, the volumes, you know, we saw them on a nightly basis. You know, they were being reported on the nightly news. So yeah. how do we how do we address those issues now that we've got some some lull time, or while volumes are down? How do we really get together and address these issues? Um, you know, create better uh, visibility in the system, better information sharing among stakeholders to address when these issues happen again, uh, to be better prepared to to move and, and react quickly. Um, you know, there's still some issues that, that folks are having on things like empty container returns, which were a huge issue, you know, during last summer at the height of the the congestion issues. Yes, but they're definitely. still having those, those issues today. And again, that's part of that is communication throughout the supply chain. So I think those are some of the issues. And again, you know, having better communication throughout both internal to the organization, because we all know that Supply chain is now a issue to discuss at the C-suite on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but also with your partners and knowing who your true partners are that can, uh, you know, address whatever comes next and meet your expectations and meet whatever your mitigation plans are for, for moving forward. So, uh, I know they're spending a lot of time on working through those issues, both internal and external, um, and again trying to create better visibility and understanding and resiliency uh, within the supply chain.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. Um, All right. Well, listen, Jonathan, this brings us to the end of our uh, allotted time for today's podcast. So on behalf of Logistics Management Magazine and also the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, I'd like to offer up a big thanks for joining us once again. I think it's your fourth time. I'll have to check on that. I'm not sure. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. always appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, you got it. And uh, for those of you uh, out there on Twitter, please feel free to go ahead and give John a follow. He's a really good follow on Twitter. And that's simply at John Gold DC. And that's J-O-N Gold DC. I just want to repeat that. And also, if you're not following us at Logistics Management, please go ahead and do so. Simply at logistics Mgmt. And uh, also, please go ahead and sign up for our Podcast is subscribe to it if you aren't already. Wherever you get your podcast, just simply go ahead and uh, search for supply chain 247 and it will come right up. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, have a great day and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.